1: you listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are back right here on Payne.TV slash gold. I am Dustin Gold, and this, folks, is the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to get back into this, but did you think about that question I asked before we went to break. How come people like you and I that are well aware of this stuff in the top one percentile of people in the United States with an understanding of transhumanism, of technocracy, of the prison planet, of the metaverse, of the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, mind-uploading, digital twins, and brain chips, (laughs) amongst other things, folks, amongst other things, like synthetic wombs, DNA splicing, gene editing cyber soldiers, brain interfaces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we are against this. We see this as a danger to the future of humanity itself. We see the technocratic transhumanist as having a purpose, which is to engineer humanity out of existence, mass genocide against all humans, But they're saying in the study they did of roughly 4,700 people, that the more aware people were of the technologies, the less afraid they were of them. And so I think the reason why that is, let's say the study is true and we have no reason to believe it's fake. Let's just say it's true. It's true because it falls right into line of what I've warned you about over the last few episodes that is happening. There is a concerted effort, especially now, where the technology and the concepts are being normalized by having certain influencers that reach certain cross-sections of people certain actors and entertainers, which are in turn influencers that reach certain types of people, talking about this stuff, but either one saying obviously that they agree with it, it's great for humanity, you know, people like Ray Kurzweil, Deepak Chopra, they're obviously talking about the pluses, but the ones that are saying that it's scary are just tying it to trying to make it seem like it's a couple of kooks behind it, like Elon Musk, not really telling you the full story, not connecting it to the state, not bringing it back to Operation Paperclip, not tying it in Ultra, not tying it, in, tying it into the Nazis. And so what's happening is that people are becoming desensitized to it. So once you at least think you know a little bit about it, or if you got hit with it from Deepak Chopra, Richard Branson, or the rest of these kooks, you start to go, yeah, I don't think it's that dangerous. It's pretty cool, dude. I saw the deep fake of Tom Cruise. That's hilarious. Because you don't really have a full understanding of it. So that's where I think that comes from. Now, the second part that came out of this study that he's about to talk about, listen carefully to this one.
0: Concern and also uh, tracked with their religious affiliations. And um, the more religious people were, the more they tended to have ethical uh, boundaries.
1: The more religious people are, the more they tended to have ethical boundaries. Now, you can say whatever you want about religion, about organized religion, about the religious industrial complex. And I'm talking about all different sects of religion. Uh, Obviously, I have my faults with certain religions, uh, you know, certain extreme versions, some of the views that come out of some of these religions. I don't get into a lot of that on this show. But I've also said that if you have a population that you're trying to control, or that you're trying to wipe off of the face of the earth, and you remove the idea, just the idea, just the concept of a god, or of a creator, or of a mother nature even, and you remove that from the society, they are actually, in my mind, much easier to erase. See, you can use certain organized religions to control people using god you know if you don't do this or you don't do that god will be upset and we've seen that throughout history but if you also totally completely get rid of the idea of god as cultural marxism which i won't get into here was uh, partially intended to do created to do was that when people no longer look to something being above them, higher than them, that they don't answer to, you know, a creator of everything, a creator of the earth, the creator of the natural world, and then you can push people into the idea that one, like nothing really matters. As uh, Deepak Chopra talks about, it's all a nothingness. It's all a nothingness, you know, or two, you can push people towards a Levian Satanism type of situation where you get them to believe they are all gods and if they're all gods then they could go out and kill other people and they're not going to face any consequences so there's a balancing act we can talk to people that come out of philosophy on this um, but to me once you remove the concept of god from society you are removing sort of traditional ethics and morals and values and principles And so then you can say to people, well, look, you're just a lump of cells. You're just nothingness. You are a god yourself, whatever it is, whatever line you need to use on that person. So what does it matter if we genetically modify you? What does it matter if we DNA splice you? What does it matter if you take this injection or we weld an exoskeleton suit to you? Or we merge you with machine. Or, you know, humans are just these stupid little creatures. You're just like cockroaches. So we have to merge you with artificial intelligence under the singularity. We'll upload your minds. You'll live inside a computer. You'll be in the metaverse because none of this really matters. See, you can introduce a lot of crazy things to people if you remove the idea of a creator from society, I mean, just look at it. Um, like I'm post politics, but look at it this way: if you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Basically, under the uh, you know defining documents here in this country, you know it, it comes from the Creator, unalienable rights from the Creator. So, if you remove the idea of a Creator, we don't have unalienable rights. Rights uh, amongst them: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, you don't have your right to life you don't have your right to liberty human autonomy you'd lose that so just on the simple terms if you take away the right to life you know if you take the creator out of there you have no right to life if you have no right to life they can just kill you and if you don't even believe that you come from a creator then what are you you're either just a lump of cells you're nothingness you're nothingness nothingness or you're just a, a God yourself. So merge me with machine and I will become God. See, this is the danger folks. And it's summed up right in there with this study that these Frankenstein monsters did. All right, let's continue.
0: And and I think Diane talked about our interoperability with our NATO allies. And so from a military standpoint, um, if we, in, if we adopt an enhancement, but our NATO allies refuse to allow us to be interoperable with them to To move our troops through their areas, then that was something that the Department of Defense needed to be concerned
1: with. Right. Um, Oh yeah. So the Department of Defense needed to be concerned with whether or not our allies would let us move our Marvel superheroes through their country to do whatever it is we do. I don't. Do we have any defined uh, goals anymore, folks? Or we just go around the world and try to start wars? All right. Let's continue.
0: And the likely conversation, and I don't suggest that we go down this lane today, I think it's a whole conversation that, that you might want to pursue in and of itself is, how do you have a society in which some people are operating at a higher level all the time, and what does that imbalance in performance do to the dynamic between the two populations?
1: Ah, ah, so there we go, Peter. There we go, Doctor Emmanuel. So the question, the discussion that needs to be had publicly is how do you operate a society when you have super duper smart people or super duper powerful people or super duper strong people, basically Nazi super race types, and then you have everyone else. So you will have the Marvel superhero class and the, Peasant, useless humans, right? That's what he's saying. So he believes that's a discussion that needs to be had, right? We'll, we'll be part of that discussion. I'm sure they'll check in with us, folks. How about we say no to the superhumans? Pretty easy, pretty easy, folks. All right, let's continue.
0: And so, if you look historically in the past, anytime there's been uh an imbalance in in performance, that's created resentment and. The best place to go for that, we realized, was media, movies, literature, music, poetry. And when you look there, oftentimes these cyborg technologies are perceived in a dystopian manner. There's a fear. There's a feeling that when you integrate man and machine together, there's a loss of soul and compassion.
1: (laughs) So now... Dr. Peter Emanuel is talking about, talking about the dystopian movies in which are predictive programming, folks, basically part of MKUltra mind control, to prime people for these technologies. So what he's saying is they're always showing this merger of man and machine as some kind of evil thing something that ends up removing ethics and morality and so it's looked at in a really bad way. But I would say when you take the movie, probably the the best dystopian film in modern history, The Matrix, uh clearly it didn't turn people away from The Matrix except for, you know, me and you because these guys are building the Matrix. They clearly think It is a great idea. I mean, what are they doing, folks? Building these transcranial electronic stimulation helmets under the NQ program, which is to strap on this helmet to be able to read your mind, to be able to write thoughts into your head. I mean, come on, folks. The the metaverse, that is the matrix. So now Peter's talking about how These movies create this dark image. And so that is what the poor military is combating when they have to introduce this stuff to the public and brainwash people into widely accepting it. Which I haven't figured out yet why they have to get anyone to widely accept anything because they can just do whatever they want to do. But as I told you, what I think that is is that if there are still scientists and engineers that have some level of Uh, ethics and morals and principles and values in themselves wired into their dna they have to be able to convince those guys to use their brain power to continue to build the frankenstein technology so it's those people that they have to propagandize and brainwash into getting on board with engineering humanity out of existence ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to pain.tv slash gold, and I am Dustin Gold. All right, folks. All right, we're almost done. We just have a few more minutes to analyze on this podcast, then we can clear it off our desk, and then the next episode, we are going to move into part two with two U.S. Army ethics gentlemen who have been tasked with how to push this stuff forward into society. Let me just read you a little something. Um, This is from the Cyborg Soldier 2050 document, the paper that this podcast is based on. And we're eventually going to go through this with a fine-tooth comb, folks. Because it is very important. But I want to get through the two podcasts before we do that. And then we're going to need to do that before we get into, I believe, Dr. James Giordano and then back into Paperclip uh, and the history of Paperclip. Uh, But this is uh, number four. This says, efforts should be undertaken to reverse negative cultural narratives of enhancement technologies. And I'm reading this to you because this is what Dr. Peter Emanuel is discussing Uh, Right now, efforts should be undertaken to reverse negative cultural narratives of enhancement technologies. Across popular social and open source media literature and film, the use of machines to enhance the physical condition of the human species has received a distorted and dystopian narrative in the name of entertainment. A more realistic and balanced, if not more positive, narrative, along with transparency in the government's approach to technology adoption, will serve to better educate the public, mitigate societal apprehensions, and remove barriers to productive adoption of these new technologies A more informed public will also help illuminate valid social concerns, such as those surrounding privacy, so that Department of Defense personnel can develop mitigation strategies whenever possible. Although not intrinsically a Department of Defense mission, defense leadership should understand that negative public and social perceptions will need to be overcome if these technologies are to be fielded. So they're writing right in there about how they have to better brainwash the public to get them on board with this. Again, folks... I don't think they need to get you or I on board with this. I think they have to get the scientists and engineers on board with this. They have to get the young kids that they sent to school for STEM-related fields, the scientists, the technology folks, the engineering kids, and the mathematicians. They have to get them on board with wanting to help them build this technology. So they have to kind of strip away what they call the distorted and dystopian narrative and make it more positive, uh, if possible. And so they talk openly about it. They talk about how they need to run a propaganda campaign. Now, remember, this document is written in 2019. We're three years into this now. So what steps have been taken? i don't know folks guess who's been out on the joe rogan experience since this was written a little guy a little guy named elon musk right so in 2018 he goes on the joe rogan experience and uh that is in the process of when this paper was being researched and written And so he goes on the Joe Rogan experience. I showed you the clip. We analyzed it. And he basically said, I can't talk a lot about the Neuralink brain chip, but I can talk a little bit about it. And then he comes back in 2020 and he blabs about it for a long time. While he smokes a joint, drinks some whiskey with Joe Rogan, and Rogan says, yeah, man, this is freaky, this is freaky, but oh, my God, this is so cool. Dude, we're going to be able to talk to each other without actually talking. Wow, it's like the Matrix. And Musk is like, yeah, yeah. So they started the normalization, the education, the desensitization process that they're talking about in this document, Written for the DOD about the beginning of how to normalize this. What did we just see happen a week ago? They sent out Elon Musk in the black leather jacket, right? They had him up on stage with the Optimus robot with the logo, which was the two robot hands forming a heart shape. And they had the Optimus robot come walking out on stage and dance a little bit. And they had Musk kind of make it goofy they humanized it oh the robot can't totally walk yet but folks it's going to have a brain inside it soon you know and so what else do they do they publish all the world economic forum videos they literally put the furthest extreme guy out there, you've all know Harari, to sound like a Nazi, telling you you're a useless human, you're a hackable animal, you have no soul, you have no free will, those days are over. You have no spirit, you are a hackable animal. Here's the formula We control the data. Those who control the data are the gods of the new era. And they've been putting it out there. They put Event 201 out there. They put X out there. They put Spars Pandemic out there. They're not hiding any of it. And you ask yourself, why? Well, what are they writing about in these military documents? That they need to add a more balanced, a more positive, a better spin on this stuff. They need to get it out into the lexicon. So I think what they partially do is they put a Yuval Noah Harari out there to play one side. They put an Elon Musk to play the other side. And you say, I don't want the Yuval Noah Harari. I'm not a heck of a animal. But then you lean, not you or me, regular people. They all flock to Musk. He's going to save Twitter. He's so cool in his leather jacket. He's got satellites that are going to give me better internet out in the woods. He's flipping rockets upside down that can land and they're more environmentally friendly. He's got solar panels to go on my roof. He's got an electric car he's selling. His brain chip isn't the same as Yuval Noah Harari's brain chip. You see, the propaganda campaigns are already here, folks. We are living in it. We are living in the middle of the rebranding of what came out of Paperclip, which became MK Ultra, which became DARPA, which became Brain Initiative, which became the Cyborg Soldier. All right, let's finish up with this uh, podcast.
0: have a society in which some people are operating at a higher level all the time. And what does that imbalance in performance do to the dynamic between the two populations? And so if you look historically in the past, Anytime there's been uh, an imbalance in, in performance, that's created resentment. And the best place to go for that,
1: we realized, was media, movies. Okay, right? So, this imbalance in performance, right? It's like going back and talking about equal outcome versus equal opportunity, And so that's what he's referring to, this resentment, like, oh, I'm mad because Michael Jordan could dunk from the foul line and I can't, right? So that's what he's referring to. Let's continue.
0: Literature, music, poetry. And when you look there, oftentimes these cyborg technologies are perceived in a dystopian manner. There's a fear There's a feeling that when you integrate man and machine together, there's a loss of soul and compassion, and that that leads to inadvertent technological consequences.
1: Well, of course, when you engineer humans out of existence, they're no longer going to have a soul. So let's just see what he says, because he's obviously very concerned that certain of these movies, certain of this artwork has turned people against the idea of the cyborg.
0: Frankenstein, the Terminator was the way we talked about it. And so if we're going to be interoperable with our NATO allies, if we're going to adopt these technologies, we have to realize that the society has to be accepting of these technologies. It can't be something that the Department of Defense does on its own in a vacuum, irrespective of what society is willing to accept and what the global community at large will perceive of that endeavor.
1: Right, right, so he's talking about how we need to propagandize, right, we need to propagandize everyone, the whole world, everyone has to be on board with this so that we can roll out our cyborgs and uh, no one's going to have a problem with it but i'm telling you folks what it's really about is that they need to be able to get the scientists and engineers the humans that they still need to be part of the programs to play the sydney gottliebs in this they need them on board to help finish this final solution folks that's what it is let's continue
0: Well, that's profound. And I I think that's as strong a note as any to end on. Dr. Deulis, do you have any parting thoughts as well? No, I I think Peter really summed it up nicely. This this has been a pleasure um, talking about this. It's been a great conversation. It has. I am fascinated and frightened at the same time. (laughs) So thank you both so much for your insights.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we will thank them as well, because obviously they'd never come on this show. uh, So we had to analyze that podcast, but that was very important. I think we learned a lot of stuff from that podcast, and it was a great introduction to the Cyborg Soldier 2050 paper. Better to listen to them in their own words, through their own voice, before we actually get into the nitty-gritty. Because sometimes you read the paper, you don't really understand who's behind it. And so, you could hear with them, talking about this revolutionary moment that's coming. Talking about how we are going to have... You know, more of these soldiers injured in war that we could bring back and play with as guinea pigs. Talking about how we need to propagandize and brainwash the public into this stuff. So, on the next episode, what we're going to get into, folks, is the second part of this. This is the Super Soldiers Part 2, The Dark Side. And this features Dr. Edward T. Barrett, who is the director of research at the U.S. Naval Academy's Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership and it's, and its ethics professor in the Department of Leadership, Ethics, and Law. And Dr. Tony Pfaff, who is currently the Research Professor for Strategy for the Military Profession and Ethics at the Strategic Studies Institute at the U.S. Army War College. He's also a Senior Non-Resident Fellow at the Atlantic Council. And so now you're going to get to hear from these two gentlemen who are working on the ethics side of this. And you will see when it comes to ethics, it's a big discussion, really, a big discussion, about how they're going to further brainwash and propagandize folks into accepting it. And as I've said now a couple of times, and I will repeat it because I think it's the highlight of this discussion, is that there are a lot of folks that they push to go to school for STEM-related fields over the last, you know, decade. And so those are the humans that they need to cast their worries aside, Uh, sort of like the Bohemian Grove cremation of care. They need to cast their care aside, and they need to help these folks who obviously have no soul. They need to help them build this Frankenstein technology. These humans that they sent to school for STEM are the bridge to get from man to machine. See, man merging with machine will eventually be man to machine and the end of humanity. And so they need them. They need the Dr. Sidney Gottlieb's on board. They already have the Nazi scientists and the Japanese torturers. Those are the Dr. Peter Emanuel's and Dr. Diane Dullius's and Dr. James Giordano's and Dr. Charles Morgan III's. Those are the torturers. Those are the people that know how to run these experiments. They are the ones that are very close to completely hacking the mind and the body and to engineering humanity out of existence. So now they need these STEM kids on board and they can't have these Marvel movies in the way or they can't have the Matrix in the way of making these kids go, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be involved with this. I don't know if I want to be involved with helping you Research, develop, engineer, and deploy the final solution for all of humanity. So that's why you're seeing this desensit- uh, t- desensitization campaign. I apologize, I always slip up there. The desensitization campaign being run right now, why they are sending real life Tony Stark, Elon Musk out in his leather jacket with the Optimus robot. You're watching in real time. How they are changing the narrative of this stuff, and they are going to get these kids on board with the idea of helping these Frankenstein doctors and these Nazi monsters engineer humans out of existence, which is the real final solution. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back on the next show, Super Soldier Part 2 to the dark side. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion...